Okay, good morning, New Life Church. Glad that you're all able to gather together to worship and to fellowship and together to open up your hearts and minds to what God has for us from His Word this morning. For those of you that are watching online or maybe on DVD or by CD later in the week, so glad that you're able to join as well and hope that in, in the next while you're able to join us in person to worship on uh, a Sunday morning. All right, well, this is kind of ironic. For months, I was preaching in an empty sanctuary to you who are watching at home. And now here I am preaching in an empty living room to those of you who are gathered and watching in the sanctuary. So we're kind of living in crazy times here, but um, the reason I'm here at home is because the Hildebrands are in day 13 of a 14-day quarantine. Uh, we just come back from Minnesota where we were at uh, Erica's sister's wedding, had a great time. We're doing well here. You guys have been taking good care of us. Uh, many of you have been delivering snacks and goodies, and we've got a whole pail of chocolate chip cookies, and you're trying to kill us. Okay, and I'm just convinced, I can't prove it, but that Darren is orchestrating all of that just to kind of widen that gap between his fitness and my fatness. That's my theory. Uh, but speaking of Darren, uh, this Thursday is probably when I'm going to see many of you next. We have a members meeting this Thursday at the church, 7 o'clock, uh, to make a decision on whether to call Darren uh, Redekop, who you just heard from a few minutes ago, to come be the pastor of discipleship at New Life Church. And so that's a big decision. So members, if you haven't already signed up, please come on out Thursday, uh, this Thursday. Uh, and, and if you're not a member, but you're a part of our church, uh, you're invited to come on out as well. We'd love to have you a part of the discussion. Uh, and if you haven't registered already, you can do that easily online on the app, or just call the church office and we can sign you up there as well because registering in advance um, is required. Uh, and I did see that that night, Thursday night, is game four potentially of uh, the Jets Flame series. Hopefully we won't get that far. But wasn't that a great game last night? Mark Shifley winning it in overtime, top shelf. Man, that was just, that was awesome. All right, have you ever heard of a top 10 list? It's kind of a, a pop culture phenomenon, I guess you might say. We see them all over the place on YouTube, top 10 travel destinations for 2020. You can't go to any of them right now. Or maybe the late night uh, shows, David Letterman, he always had his top 10 lists. And, you know, the sports highlights, there's always the top 10 bloopers of the night. And so we see this and it's kind of a pop culture thing. And, and yet it's a bit of an old idea. We, we have a top 10 list in the Bible. We call it the 10 commandments, these 10 rules to live by, to live a good life. Now, as we've been going through this series on the Ten Commandments, we, we just kind of wanted to make clear this is not a how-to list to get to heaven or to be right with God, okay? That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ at all. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. So we are not made right with God. We are not forgiven and we do not go to heaven because we do enough good works. We are forgiven of our sins and reconciled with God because Jesus has been perfect and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead in our place so that through faith in him, we might be reconciled to God. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. But Paul continues there in verse 10. He says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Okay, so we're not saved by our works, but we are saved by faith in Jesus so that we can live the good life that God created us to live. And so we've called this series, Set Free to Live Free. We've been set free from our sin by God so that we can live the good life 
that he has for us. All right. So as we continue this morning, for those of you who are kids watching, the word of the week is authority. Okay, if you count how many times I use the word authority starting now uh, and have your parents submit that by email or calling that into the church, we're going to award you Bible bucks that you can use to buy some cool things at our New Life Kids store. All right, if you had to make a top 10 list of rules to live by to live a good life, what would you put on your top 10? Now, you'd probably put on there, do not murder. That's a biggie. You might put on there, do not steal. Maybe always tell the truth. Some of you might put on there to be faithful to your husband or wife. Others might put on there to not get into debt. And, and some of you ladies, you might put on there to always uh, close the toilet seat after you've used it. Uh, but would you put on your top 10 list to honor your father and mother? I don't think I would. And, and my guess is you probably wouldn't put that in your top 10 either. And yet God puts that command in his top 10. We have it right here in uh, the record of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verses uh, 12. Now, this is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. God says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, in another telling of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5, says the same thing, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you and that it may go well with you, it adds. And so we see how seriously God takes this command. In fact, it is the only one of the commands that comes with a promise. And we will find out later in the law that to curse your father and mother was actually punishable by capital punishment. So God takes this super seriously. Well, why is that? Well, we're going to find out here this morning. But I, I think the reason, one of the reasons we kind of glance over this command is because we often associate it with children. You know, when we say honor your father and mother, we're normally talking to young children, right? And, and yet this command is given primarily for us adults. It's for kids too, but just as much it's for us adults. We are called by God to honor our fathers and our mothers. So what does that mean and why is it so important? Okay, well the first thing it doesn't mean is that we are called by God to obey our fathers and mothers. The Bible does command young children to obey their parents. It never says that for those who are older. Okay, to honor doesn't mean necessarily to obey. We're called to obey God and fulfill His wishes for our life. We're never called to fulfill our parents' expectations or their wishes for our lives. Because there are some out there that would deify family. You know, that they would make a commitment to those expectations of family, the highest, uh, their highest allegiance, we might say. And yet, Jesus never did that. He never taught that. In fact, very much the opposite. He says in the Gospel of Luke, he says, um, you cannot be my disciple if you will not hate your mother and your father and your kids and your spouse. You cannot follow me if you do not hate your family. Well, that, what does that mean? Elsewhere in Matthew chapter 8, uh, he comes and he calls a man to follow him. And the man says, I'll follow you, Jesus, but first let me go and bury my father and then I'll come follow you. And Jesus says, no, no, let the dead bury their own. Now, that sounds kind of hard. Jesus, why can't you let the man go to his funeral? But that's not what's happening there. In fact, what that man is saying is, let me fulfill my father's, my parents' wishes first. You know, let, let me be there with them until some point in the future when they die and I bury them. Then at that point, I'll come follow you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you must follow me. You are called to obey God first. All right? Not to obey and live out your parents' expectations on you. 
And so, you know, like there are times, for instance, many times it's happened where I, people, you know, they, they want to get baptized. They know they ought to get baptized. It's a command. And the thing that stops them from getting baptized is they think that it will displease their parents because maybe they were baptized as an infant in another church and it might make mom angry if they were to do this. And, and so they kind of hold off until maybe when she's out of the picture in order to obey. And that might just be one example of, of how we can put uh, prioritize kind of our parents' expectations over God's expectations. We are not to deify our, our family. That's not what this means. We're also not called to diminish the, the importance of family. And we can do that too. In fact, Jesus takes the Pharisees to task. We find this in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, verses 3, Jesus says, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, which was a word that just means devoted to God, uh, then they are not to use it to honor their father and their mother. And thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. And so here what they were doing is, is they were dedicating something to God. And then when their family, their parents had some material need, they were not using what they had to help their parents because no, they were that, that belonged to God. And, and this made Jesus angry. They were diminishing their responsibility, shirking their responsibility to honor their mother and their father. So the same God that said, you shall have no other gods before me, also says, honor your father and your mother. So what I want us to see is that this command shows us that the family is a divine design. Okay, the family is God's idea. It's not a social construct, this idea of mother and father and children, but this is, this is God's created structure, order for a good. It's something that He has established. And so what you see in the Ten Commandments is the first four are directed towards our relationship with God. The last six are our relationship with other people. And the first of those last six is this command to honor our, our mother and father. So it's about family. This is the first command related to our relationship with people. Family. And what I want us to see is that, that family is... Uh, is, a, is God's plan for us to fulfill the mission He's given us in the world. Okay, you see that right there in creation at the very beginning of the Bible, God makes the first man and the first woman and He says, hey, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and bear my image in the world. And then a few verses later in Genesis 2, He, he institutes marriage and He says a man is to leave his mother and father and be united to his wife and they are to be one flesh and God establishes Marriage, this family order, it is God's plan for us and for the world. And, and today, you know, I think we, we can say that that plan is being eroded, undermined, redefined, uh, the, the kind of the value in God's design for family. What is God's design in, in the family? Well, well, two things I would want to highlight, that the family, the home, is the first place of instruction. Okay, it is like the first training round, the first school. Parents are the first educators. And so we see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses um, 6 to 9 here. Let me read this. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6. These commandments that I give you today 
are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so he, he says to parents, you know, with your children, instruct your tr- children in the way that they are to go. And so parents have this God-given responsibility to, to train, to impart knowledge and wisdom like about life, just how to live life well, right? Just, just kind of the practical stuff about how to respond to bullying, you know, on, on the playground. And, um, you know, when, when, when you, your friend kind of hurts you, like how, to, how you deal with that. So just the practical insight and wisdom about living life well, but also the, to, to train up your, your children to know who God is. And, and to follow and to obey God. This is, this is a God-given responsibility to parents to instruct their children in the way that they are to go and to model for their family the character of God, right? As mothers and fathers, you kind of represent God, His unconditional love and His care. And uh, you, are, you are an example of what God is like to, to your kids. And so the family is God's kind of first and primary place for instruction. But it's also the, the, uh, the first place for um, authority, I guess we might say. The family, the home is the first place for authority. Now, any of us that have ever had children, we know that, that children come into the world as selfish creatures, don't they? I mean, the word that comes so naturally to children is the word mine, mine. You don't have to teach that. That's just a part of their nature. Mind to be selfish, to be self-centered, to kind of resist authority from the outside. We come wanting to be our own um, authority. And so just this last week, you know, one of our girls, I won't tell you which one, was sitting in the living room eating some toast and Nutella without a plate. And, and Erica said, could you please go into the kitchen and, and get a plate? And she said, I don't need to. Right? I think I'll be fine. You know, and so how often do we hear that from kids and how often do we think that or maybe say that as adults and part of God's design for the home is it is to be a a, a place to teach us how to submit to authority, how to live under authority and direction. And that is so important to learn that to, to, to live well in life, how to Uh, submit and respond well to authority. And so you have the author of Hebrews saying this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. Let me read this. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits, that is God, and live? They, that is, our parents disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so he says here that the, the, the discipline, the authority exercised by parents is representative of kind of the, the authority that God has over us and how we learn kind of from our parents how to submit to the, to the authority and ultimately to the authority of 
God in our lives. For what, and, and what does that produce? He says, well, that produces that discipline, that submitting to authority, whether that's our parents or whether that's God, it produces a harvest of righteousness, of goodness in our lives. And, and, and I really think that's why the, this promise is associated with this command. If we honor our mothers and fathers, God promises that it will go well for us. We will live long in the land that God is giving to us. So, so why does that promise go with that command? What's the connection there? Well, I think it's this. The family is kind of society's foundational unit, right? Um, it, it all starts with the family. As families go, so a society goes. As families go, so a nation goes. Everything else is built on the foundation of the family unit. Okay, so the family, it, it's not the only structure, but it is the first and primary one that God has established. Um, it, it, it's the first structures um, of, of many that God has ordained. Others are, you know, like the workplace with with servants and masters, or we might say employees and employers, or in, in the school setting with, with teachers and students, or in the church setting where God has ordained uh, uh, elders and pastors to have authority and to lead the church, or it just in, in the nation uh, where, where God has established governing authorities, governments established by God. In fact, this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 13, verses, um, I'll start here at verse 1. Paul says this, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Did you hear that? The, the idea of government and human governments and authorities have been established, ordained by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And then skipping down to verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Okay, so God has established different, I guess, uh, types of authority structures in, in the world. Family is one, and, and, and government, and school, and the workplace. Um, and, and we are to submit and to respect and honor that authority. And so when they wanted to trap Jesus, you might remember that time. Remember uh, the Romans occupied Israel? They were kind of the oppressors. And so someone came and they said, Jesus, do you think we should pay our taxes to the Romans? What do you say about that? Now they were trying to trap Jesus, put him in a corner. Uh, but of course, you couldn't put Jesus in, in, in a corner. And he asked for a coin. And on the coin, there was a picture of Caesar's head. And he says, who's depicted on this coin? And they said, well, it's Caesar. And then Jesus said those famous words, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. What he's saying is God has established government. And you have a responsibility as a God follower to honor human authority that God has established. In that case, the government. And in that setting, that actually meant Caesar and the Roman government. Now, Caesar wasn't necessarily benevolent, especially to the Jewish people at that time. In fact, Caesar would, would order the execution of Paul. Caesar would order the execution of Peter. Uh, but Peter would say this in his letter. See what, what, what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. 
First Peter chapter two verses thirteen. He says, uh, Sub- "Submit yourselves." Now, keep in mind, this was a man who was put to death by Caesar. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Now listen to this. Show, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Interesting. Here, Peter says, honor Caesar, honor the emperor. He doesn't say fear him or obey him. He says, fear God and honor the emperor. But what if they're not honorable, right? Like, Like, what if they're not beloved? What if they're not good, whether they be your parents or whether they be some governing authorities? I remember a Secret Service agent once being asked by, by, by someone like, how... Why would you take a bullet for for a president that you might not like or you might not agree with? How can you take a bullet laid on your life for that person? And then that, that secret servant, uh, he responded by saying, I'm not taking a bullet for the president. I'm taking it for the presidency. He says, I, I'm not taking a bullet for the person, first and foremost, but for the position. Okay? We honor not so much the person, we are honoring the position that they hold. I thought that was so interesting. The person in that position may not be so honorable, but the position itself created by God is an honorable position. And that's why we are called to honor our parents, honor the president, honor the prime minister, honor your teacher, honor your boss, honor your pastor. That's my favorite one. But Frederick Buchner, who's a a, a great Christian author, in in his memoirs, he wrote about his difficult relationship with his parents and, and how we're to honor our parents, even if maybe they weren't great parents. And he writes this, Honor them for the roles that they were appointed to play, because even when they played them abominably or didn't even play them at all, the roles themselves are holy. Hear that? Even if they didn't, even if your parents didn't or aren't doing a great job, Maybe they haven't been very honorable. The role that God gave them to play as mother and father is an extremely honorable role. And we honor that role God has made by honoring our mothers and our fathers. And so respecting our parents, so so here I think is the connection between, um, between honoring our parents and then experiencing this good life, okay? this promise of God, that respecting our parents as kind of that first place of instruction and authority trains us to respect the other structures, the other authorities that God has ordained in the world. And when we do that, we, we, we live well as individuals and as a whole society, as a nation, we, we, we live well. It goes well for us. You know, so the way we learn to operate in the world we learn at home, I think, is what that command means. Which is why that, that command, that fifth command, honor your father and mother, is the first command related to our relationship with people, right? After that, it's do not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't need these other things. But that all flows from honoring your father and mother because that trains us to respect uh, these, these structures that God has 
ordained for our good as individuals and for a society. Um, Augustine famous, famously said, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? Right? If, if you don't learn how to respect that first authority, you're not going to respect any authority. Right? You're going to be a law unto yourself. You're just going to resist the whole idea or disregard the whole idea of authority. Okay? And I kind of feel like that, that maybe defines the age we're in a little bit, right? I, we live in a, an age of, it's been called an age of rage. Another way of saying that might be, we live in like an age of dishonor. So, so right now it's like groups against groups, like, right? Like, like tribes against tribe. People that think like me against people that don't think like me. Whether that's generations, right? Like this younger generation kind of disregarding the older generation, um, and, and just kind of disrespecting or rebelling against everything that came before. Um, or um, our, certainly our politics, right? Like if someone doesn't agree with us perfectly, you've heard of cancel culture, right? If someone doesn't agree with us perfectly, we try to cancel. We try to, to silence them if they don't align with us perfectly. Um, the, 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 like there's so much, I would say, dishonor in our society. And when, when our society is full of dishonor, our society crumbles. And, and you just see this all around right now. That what this I think one of the reasons is so much polarization. So, so just to think of um, politics, to make this relevant for us. You know, you hear a lot of people say stuff like Trump is a clown. Or, or maybe on the other side, Trudeau is a, is a clown. And, and we talk about those who hold positions of, of, of authority uh, with derision, or we use mockery, um, or, or kind of disrespect, slander, and and the Bible says we need to honor the emperor. What does that look like today? Like what that would mean for us is it would be honor Donald Trump. It doesn't mean agree with him. It doesn't mean vote for him. You know, it doesn't. It, it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean support his policies. But we are called to honor Donald Trump. If you're an American, if you're a Canadian, you are called to honor Trudeau. Um, if you only honor those that agree with you, if you only um, honor those who represent your will, at the end of the day, aren't you just worshiping yourself? If, if, you'll, only go, if you'll only honor those that are exactly like you, that, that do what you agree with, at the end of the day, isn't that just really worshiping of self, making yourself the ultimate authority and, and what happens when you do that when there's so much derision and mockery of, of, of these structures that God has made and the people that hold them well well society starts to crumble I mean just look at south of the border you, you just see it's leading to division and it's leading to decline and if you trace that back I think it, a lot of that comes back to a, a, a resisting of authority a dishonoring of of the the authority that God has established. Um, and when you do that, ultimately where that leads is a dishonoring of God's authority. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, right? God said, hey, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but don't eat of that one tree. And remember, um, Eve, she comes and she looks at it and she says, ah, it looks good to me. I know he said that, but boy, that looks really pleasing for food. And she takes it and she eats it. And so she kind of disregards and resists the authority of God. And she does what she thinks is right. She dishonors the authority of God because she's kind of worshiping herself and making herself the ultimate authority. 
And so when we honor our mother and father, we, we respect, what we're doing is we're respecting God's design for authority. And when we live that out in the world, in life, in all these different spheres, it goes, it goes better for us as individuals and it goes better for us as a nation. So those that honor father and mother will live long, will live well. That's the promise. It's good for the individual. It's good for society. So my question for you is, um, do, you, uh, do you resist a tendency to resist the authorities that God has established, you know, in the home or, or you know, in the workplace or in school or um, in government or in the church? Like, do you, have a, do you have a tendency to resist and disregard uh, and disrespect authority or to respect and to honor um, that which God has established? What does that look like in your life? Uh, so with our last few minutes together, I uh, just want to, provide some, some ways in which we can honor our mothers and fathers. What does it look like to do that? I, just, just a few things I want to suggest. How do we honor our, our father and our mother? Well, well, first of all, by ensuring that their material needs are met. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, this is Paul's instruction to the young pastor Timothy. Um, he says this, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4 says, If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should le learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. What's pleasing to God? Well, when you put your religion into practice by, as kids and grandkids, caring for the material needs of your parents. And so this is, this is a primary way that we are called to honor our mothers and our fathers, to, to whatever those needs are, to advocate for them. You know, whether it's their healthcare needs or making sure that they have what they need, you know, to, to help them run their errands, to, to make sure that they're, they're, they're situated well. Okay, that is, that is our responsibility as kids and grandkids. And even Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, bearing the sin of the world on his shoulders in some of his final breaths remember he looked down at his mom mary and um he he entrusted his mother to john to make sure that his mom was going to be taken care of after he died and so there jesus is caring for his mom's need i think that's pretty incredible so we honor our mothers and our fathers by ensuring that their material needs are met uh, secondly by caring for them emotionally and by this i mean just just keep it, keeping that relationship fostered. We can be so busy with, you know, with work and our own kids and our own lives and demands that we can neglect our parents. Uh, you know, just not call them enough, not check in on them, not encourage them, not ask them how they're doing, right? And that's a responsibility we have, a way we honor them is to, is to encourage them and to support them emotionally. Um, and, and as we're doing this, if we've got parents and we have our own children, what we're doing is, is really is how we treat our parents. Um, we are modeling for our kids how we want them to treat us. And there's actually a Grimm's fairy tale uh, about this. And uh, it's a story about some parents who had both children and one grandfather living with them. And the grandfather was, he was getting a little old and sloppy. And at mealtimes, he tended to get his soup and his porridge in places that uh, they shouldn't have gone. And the parents felt concerned about this. And so they remonstrated with granddad, but he really wouldn't and couldn't do anything about it. So in the end, the couple didn't allow the old boy to sit at the table with the family anymore. He had to sit in the corner of the room. Um, and so there he was stuck in the corner of the room in disgrace because he couldn't handle his food well. 
But being isolated didn't help him. In fact, it just allowed the situation to deteriorate until the old man couldn't eat at all. So his kids put his food in a trough and they took away his knife and his fork and his spoon so that he was made to pick up the food with his fingers and stick it in his mouth. The situation went from bad to worse until one day the parents noticed the children playing in the shed, their own children playing in the shed. The youngsters had a saw and some wood and hammer and nails and they seemed to be building something. And the parents asked, what are you building? And the children responded, a trough for you when you get old. <laughs> and so the point of the story is there, we are, we, how we treat our parents, we are modeling for our own children how we want them uh, to treat us, how we want them to honor and care for us at some point in the future when we're aged as well. So care for your parents emotionally. Thirdly, express gratitude for their care. You know, none of our parents are perfect. Some were, po- some were great, some were far from perfect. Okay, but whatever your parents did well, whatever they gave you, express gratitude for their care for you. Uh, fourthly, seek their counsel. I mean, even if you're middle-aged yourself and, you're, and your parents are quite aged, if they're still around, you can honor your parents by seeking their counsel and then listening, really attentively listening to their, to their wisdom, their advice, um, you know, to their perspective. Even if you're not going to follow it, even if you don't think it's best, you honor them by seeking their counsel, their input, and then listen carefully to what they have to say. Honor them that way. And just, just lastly, fifthly, um, you, res- you honor your, your fathers and your mothers by speaking about them respectfully. And sometimes with others, whether, you know, whether you're a teenager or whether you know, you're, you're in your 20s or older, we can, we can easily kind of casually, flippantly talk about our parents um, in a really negative light and, and, um, uh, and, and just kind of dishonor them in, in front of others. But we can honor them when we, when we, uh, when we speak about them um, uh, respectfully, okay? We, you, you, can, you can speak about them honestly and still speak about your parents honorably, okay? Not flippantly and casually. And, and even if your parents are, are, have passed away and they're gone, you can still honor them and keep this command by the way that you speak about them. So just kind of a few suggestions of how we can honor our mothers and fathers. And so my question for you is, how do you need to do that? And, and maybe one of those ways in particular, what would it look like for you to grow uh, in your honoring of your own uh, mother and father? What do you need to work on in this area? Kind of before we close here, you know, Jesus, he transformed all of these commands and he transformed this one as well. You know, we have this occasion in, in Matthew chapter 12 where Jesus' mother and his brothers came to him and Jesus was in a house and he was teaching a crowd and someone said, Jesus, your, your mother and your, your brothers are at the door. They want to speak with you. And Jesus said, who are my mother? Uh, who's my mother and who are my brothers? Here are my mothers and, 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 and brothers talking with, with, with the crowd. He said, all who do the will of my father in heaven, they are my mothers and they are my sisters and they are my brothers. And so what Jesus is saying is that the church is a family. And so the church that Jesus is building is a family and the language that's used for it is is familial language. And the way that we are called to relate to one another is familial. We have God as our Father and in the church, in in our relationships with those sitting there with you on your left and on your right, um, we are brothers and sisters. We have mothers and we have fathers in the church. We are a family, and we are called to treat one another in that way and honor one another in that way. In fact, um, in 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2, 
Paul's instruction to this young pastor, Timothy. He says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And so he says, You are to treat one another in the church as if you're family. Okay, honor one another in that way. All that to say, in the church, nobody goes without a family. There should be no orphan in the church. No one without uh, without uh, kind of parent parental care and love in the church. There should be no orphans in the church, and likewise, there should be kind of no um, no childless people in the church. No one without children to honor them, and so. Uh, uh, in, in the church, we're, who, are, who are younger, called to honor those who are older, the seniors, to treat them um, as, as we would mothers and fathers. And we need to hear that because in society and in the church as well, it's just so easy, especially to, to kick kind of the older class, generation, the, the, the elderly, kind of off to the side. And they have so much to offer. You have so much to offer your wisdom and, and your, your, your giftedness. And so um, we are called in the church to honor one another as, as if we are family. Um, so if we want to honor God, brothers and sisters, if we want to honor God well in our lives, and if we want it to go well with us in life, uh, we, we must realize that honor begins in the home. That's where it begins. That's, that's where we're trained. That's where it starts. Honor begins in the home. If we honor God's design, if we honor uh, His order, we will reap the rewards. We will reap, the promise of God is, the harvest of goodness, the harvest of righteousness in our lives, in our families, in our society. Um, so my question for you as we just bring this to a close is, are you, are, are you rejecting or are you respecting uh, God's order, what He has established in the home and, and the authorities elsewhere in the world. Are, are, are you disregarding? Are you resisting? Are you rejecting in any way? Or are you respecting what God has established? Um, how do you need to live out this command this week? That's my question for you, okay? What's one thing you can do going from here this morning just to live this out in a greater way to honor your mother and your father? And so I just want to, as we close here, just give you an opportunity just to come to God uh, in prayer with that very question. Um, I'm going to close in a moment uh, in, in prayer, but I just want to invite you to, uh, to close your eyes, bow your head maybe, and, and just have a personal moment of prayer. And as you're doing that, the worship team, they're going to come on up and they're going to lead you in one final song for those of you who are, who are watching this together in the church. Uh, but, but let's just take a moment to pray together. And first of all, um, I just want to give you a moment and invite you to thank God for, for His design and His order uh, in the family um, and in the world, what He has established. Just take a moment and let's just thank God. Um, for, for his good design. Just take another moment and um, just ask God, God, show me if there's any way that I need to, I need to grow in keeping this command and honoring my mother and father and respecting the, the, the structures of authority that you have, that you have designed in my life, um, just just ask him how how it is that you can grow in that.
God, we thank you that we can call you Father, um, that you call us your sons and your daughters, that through Jesus Christ you have brought us into your family and your care for us and your love for us as, as, as a perfect Father is perfect. And we thank you that you have just given us this great model of what it looks like to be, um, to be a parent worthy of honor. And so for those of us who are parents, I just pray that you would, you would help us just uh, instruct our kids well and, and exemplify your character well. Lord, for those of us who are kids, I mean, we're all kids. We're all children. We all have mothers and fathers. Some of them have already passed on. But God, I just pray that, um, that we would be people that would, that would take this command seriously or that we would, that we would uh, uh, just seek to honor our parents. Show us, God, how we can do that. Um, this week and beyond, how we can grow in that, how we can honor those other authorities that you have placed in our life, Lord, because when we honor what you have established, we, we honor you and, and you promise that it will go better for us in life when, 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 when we have a godly submission to what you have ordained for us. And so, God, we just submit ourselves to you ultimately. We want to do your will, your will for us. And so as we just move into this week, May your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.